want to talk to you about what is Jesus doing for us now? Kind of an odd statement. What is Jesus doing for us now? This has also been called the present day ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Another way of saying that. Um, knowledge of Jesus' present-day ministry is very often kind of unknown by most believers. Shouldn't be, but it's kind of unknown. Uh, we tend to focus on his birth, his earthwalk ministry, uh, his cross, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, his soon second coming, but yet we totally ignore sometimes his current ministry in the middle of all this to his church. And he has one. So when Jesus ascended um, into heaven, uh, scripture tells us he sat down at the Father's right hand and he began to live for his church. That's the concept here. He just didn't say, hey, nice seat. I've been waiting for this. That was not what it was about. He sat there as a completed, finished work, nothing more to add to what he's done. But now he enters into a, a working out of that work for his church, you and me. Whenever you say the church, you're not talking about a building or an organization. You're talking about you and me. The church is a living organism. We're people. And uh, you and me, his church, he had now has a present-day ministry. And just as he died unse unselfishly for his church, he now lives unselfishly for his church. He began then to live for his church. Let's look at a few scriptures on that. In, first, uh, in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, it says, And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he made a purification of sins, he sat down at, of the, uh, at the right hand of the majesty on high. Then Hebrews chapter 8, verse 1. Now the main point in what is being said is this, that we have a high priest who has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heavens. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 10 through 13. By this we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. But he, having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from the time onward until his enemies be made a footstool for his feet. Speaking of the eternal judgment on Satan and the demonic realm at his second coming. And James was so kind to preach my sermon for me by reading Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Wow, that's four sat downs in the same book, if you notice that. A little repetition there. So four times, four times this is mentioned. Sat down, sat down, sat down, sat down, sat down. Because it represents a finished work of Christ, which means everything. If he had not finished, we would be in a lot of trouble. But because he has finished, something new has taken place since then. So too, and then too often Christians think Jesus only sat down to become inactive till the rapture. Wrong. Uh, they think, well, the Holy Spirit has taken over, therefore Jesus is on a vacation. No, he's not. He's not on a vacation to the second coming. He is very actively working on your behalf and my behalf as I speak tonight. So when we look at Jesus' uh, aspects of his ministry, 
Uh, when he took on a body, that is when Jehovah God, the second person of the Trinity, came to earth in human form to take on a body, uh, he has three aspects to it. His earth walk, his ministry, obviously. His cross, uh, his throne, that is his glorified body. Uh, so many look to the earth walk of the Lord Jesus Christ and the cross, fine. Entire denominations and churches put emphasis on that, fine. Uh, but few realize his present-day ministry. We need to look beyond the cross. It's an empty grave. And he has a present-day ministry that we need to remember from day to day where we live to have has access for us. So at the cross, he becomes the final sacrifice for eternity, making peace with the Father for us. Uh, the Father God is no longer angry at us anymore. He looks upon us and smiles because he sees Jesus first. Not all our mistakes and not how imperfect we are all day long. Rather, he sees Jesus and he finds perfection in Christ in us. So he's pleased right off the bat. I can add nothing to it to make him more pleased. And sad. So um, here at the cross, Jesus conquers sin and sickness and sacrifice, uh, sin, sickness, and poverty for us. He descends into hell, conquers Satan. In the original Greek, it tells us he leaves him an eternal cripple. Isn't that wild? The real Satan is crippled today because of what Jesus did to him in hell, stripping authority from him. He frees the Old Testament saints who had died having righteousness credited to them. He rises from the grave, conquers death, ascends into heaven, Lord of all. So, Jesus today isn't the man with the cloak around him and walking with sandals like every other body did in his day. Today we have a very different picture. In Revelation chapter 1, we see him as he is, possessing all authority in heaven and on earth. Where he says in verse 8, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord, who is, who was, who is to come, the Almighty. Down to verse 12. Uh, 12 through, yeah, uh, 18. Then, I, then John is talking here. Then I turned to see that the voice that was speaking with me, and I turned and I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the middle of the lampstands I saw one like a son of man, clothed in a robe, reaching to his feet, girdled across his chest with a golden sash. His hair, his head and his hair were like white, uh, were white like uh, white wool, like snow, and his eyes like a, f a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, and when it had been made to glow in a furnace, and his voice was like the water, uh, uh, like the sound of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun, shining in its strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. Yeah, I kind of agree, John, yeah. And as he placed his right hand on me, saying, do not be afraid, for I am the first and the last, the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades." Wow, this is powerful stuff here. And one reason is, you, if you're listening, a lot of picture language. That's because we cannot comprehend what he would look like today. Our minds cannot comprehend that. So they bring us spiritual picture language here uh, in a way that our earth language 
could have a, a brief glimpse understanding of His glory. So the pictures are here for us. Just to look at a few here. The gold, seven golden lampstands are not literally seven golden lampstands. They represent the perfected church of the Lord Jesus Christ in eternity. Because you have to remember, in the mind of God, past, present, and future is happening simultaneously. We can't understand that with our finite mind. But He is not subject to time. If He was subject to time, time would be God. He is not subject to time. He lives in an atomic second of an eternal moment that has no time. So all this is happening simultaneously. So in His eyes, in eternity, He has a perfected church. Then we see him uh, representing his earth walk as the Son of Man. Uh, and, but we see him in full glory and array in a way that we can't comprehend. The hair, uh, white as wool, the snow picture, those are pictures of purity. doesn't mean his hair is literally white as snow. It means it's a picture of purity. Uh, the flames of fire, it means when you stare into his eyes, the fire of his love burns away everything that is not love. Heavy stuff. And there's a lot of scriptures we could look at. We have no time for that. Uh, the feet burnished with bronze, the glowing, uh, speaks of, 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 of a holiness that the earth will not know to set foot on. Uh, the sound of many waters speaks of a voice of incredible authority, as never heard before. Also, many waters also refer to the, the uh, people on the earth, the, the masses of the people. He has a voice of authority over the human race. Uh, he holds seven stars in his hands. They're not literal stars, but they represent here the authority that he has in the spirit realm. Uh, out of his mouth comes the two-edged sword. That's the Word of God coming forth from him because he is the Word of God. Uh, his face shine like the sun in its strength. Again, the glory. So we're looking at him as he is in eternity, one of great holiness, one of great purity, one of great glory that we cannot comprehend here. Uh, at all, uh, this side of heaven. But this is the real Lord Jesus Christ, and He is my friend. How about that? Not just my Lord and Savior, He's my personal friend, my brother to Father God. Isn't this wild? So as we read here in the book of Hebrews, I believe the writer to be the Apostle Paul, Paul is giving us a glimpse here into Jesus' present day ministry. I have a slide one, please. Uh, Jesus has a five-fold present-day ministry. I just did the slide because I want to do a slide, and maybe you want to write this down. Jesus is our high priest. Uh, Jesus, our mediator. Jesus, our intercessor. Does that say of? Don't trust computers. Jesus, our intercessor. Jesus, our advocate. And Jesus, our shepherd. Um, we're, that's what we're going to look at tonight. We could do five weeks on this. I don't have five weeks. I have less than an hour. So here we go. Uh, Jesus, our high priest. In Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 and 12, it tells us, but when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things to come, he entered through the greater and the more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this creation, and not of uh, the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood. And he entered the holy place once for all, obtaining eternal redemption. All of the ministries of the Lord Jesus Christ are aspects of his priestly ministry. Uh, he, in the natural, the high priest uh, is only a foreshadow of the eternal high priest. Uh, Christ, the high priest, as I said before, makes peace 
with God of eternity. It's called propitiation, a fancy word, where the sins of the people are now washed away as if they never were there by his sinless blood. So he's sealing our redemption once for all time, not covering them, but washing them away, an eternal redemption. He's our high priest, and therefore, because of him, we can have a right standing with God. There is nothing more important on the face of this earth to know that you are right with God. Nothing. Nothing more important. People try to buy it. They can't. People try to live good enough to earn it. They can't. What all cults have in common, you have to earn God's favor. You can't. Only in Christianity, it's free. Just believe. Wow. Amazing. He did it all. I get no credit. I just say thank you. That's for me. So four points very quickly here. Four points to remember. Number one is that his high priestly ministry doesn't end with his blood being taken to the holy place in the heavenlies. He still ministers there for us. He receives our worship and our prayers, taking them to the Father. What just happened tonight? Jesus took your worship tonight and brought it before the Father and said, this is pleasing to me. It's pleasing to you, Father. What does that mean? I don't know. My mind can't figure that out. I got a pea brain. It can't figure it out. Try explaining nuclear physics to an ant. You can't. How can I understand the eternal? I can't. I have pictures only. Wow. What does this mean? He took the worship you did tonight. And I know some of you tonight had to be praying. You had to be talking to the Lord about your personal lives. That's a good time to do it in worship too, right? He took that for you to the Father. Amazing. And now here we have in Hebrews chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. Uh, 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 now the main point in what is being said is this, that we have such a high priest who has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heaven, a minister in the sanctuary in the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched, not men. Not man. Second point here is that he is merciful and faithful as our high priest. We find that in Hebrews chapter 2. The third point here, he is a high priest who can be touched by faith. That's wild. Hebrews chapter 4. He can be touched by faith. By us just believing and stretching out in faith, we have his attention. You don't have to go do all these ritualistic sacrifices. He doesn't want your ritual. He wants your faith. He wants you to believe. Isn't that amazing? And the fourth point here, he is a high priest forever. Hebrews chapter 6, he will always be my high priest into eternity. Again, uh, how do I comprehend that? I can't. So Jesus at this moment is very active. Next, he is Jesus, our mediator. Now regarding Almighty God, when you read the book of Job, Many people misunderstand Job tremendously. They think it's how to cope with sickness and disease. That's ridiculous. That is not what that book is about. Job is a very old book. Chronologically, you probably would put it at Genesis chapter 12. It's that old. And Job is talking as if humanity is talking. And he is saying, hey, how do I know this God? And Job chapter 9 here, verses 32 to 35, which is the real crux of what this book is talking about. In verse 32, regarding God, he is saying, for he is not a man that I should answer him, that we can go to court together. There's no umpire between us that may lay his hands on both of us. Let him remove his rod from me, and I, I will not, and let not dread 
and, let, and not dread of him terrify me. Then I would speak and not fear him, but I am not like that in myself. There's a lot being said here in Job. There's 22 other references in Job alone of what we just read, where Job says, I need a mediator. I need an umpire who could represent both parties equally by touching both at the same time. Only Jesus could have done that. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, for there is one God, one mediator. Also, between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. Paul here answers Job's complaint. Paul here gives the answer to what Job is crying out here in chapter 9. Jesus then is all God and all man, and he's able to represent both parties equally because he's my high priest and because he's man's mediator before the Father. So by Christ being our mediator, this is how a man gets born again. How could I have the life of God come in me? Only the mediator can bring that to me. It's because of Jesus, a man is able to call Almighty God, Father God. He's the mediator that makes it happen. So Jesus is man's mediator because of what he is, all God, all man, and because of what he's done, bridge the gap between God and man through reconciliation on the cross. That's a mouthful. I've got a slide that I want to show you. Slide two. Uh, if you can imagine two mountains on both sides there, one is man, one is God, there's a big gap in between us. Sin has caused that gap, has separated uh, man from God. It's the cross of Christ that stretches across to make the mediation between man and God. And that cross is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's able to touch both at the same time and eradicate the problem in between my sin. You know, who sent Jesus to the cross? Was it the Roman Empire? Was it the Pharisees? Was it Pilate? I sent Jesus to the cross. My sin put him there. And he has done that for me that I would be able to now be bridged and be reconciled to God. Ooh, big word for uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 22. Yet he now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. I can't be holy and blameless and beyond reproach on my own. Never happened. Jesus makes me that way because he becomes that for me. These are things the Almighty God requires in eternity that I cannot do for myself. Jesus did that all for me. Next, we have Jesus, our intercessor. An intercessor is simply a word which means uh, to speak a word on behalf of another to plead their case. Simple that. So an attorney in a court is an intercessor. Uh, when people pray for you, what are they doing? They're saying a word for you to the Lord on your behalf, prayer of intercession. So Jesus is our intercessor to the Father. He pleads our case. He speaks a word on our behalf to the Father. Pretty cool. Can't send Father God a letter. Can't send him an email. Doesn't want to take my text. How in the world am I going to get a hold of Father God? Jesus, my intercessor, is there for me to do that. And he's actively doing it for every and every one of us. Uh, to the lost, to those who don't know Christ as their Savior, he's the mediator to get them to come to know the Father. To the believer, the Christian, he is now our personal intercessor. 
How about that? Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. Hence also he is able to save forever those who draw near to God through him. Since he always, how about that, always lives to make intercession for them. Present day ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, praying for me. Wow, even when I don't know it, even when I don't think I need prayer, which I do every moment. Uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 34, the second part of the verse. Christ Jesus is he who died, yes, rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of the Father, who also intercedes for us. Two separate scriptures talking about him praying for us. Wow, Jesus uh, intercedes for us that we would walk in a manner that it would be pleasing to the Father. I need help with that. I need help with that every day. Because sometimes my thoughts don't line up, and they got to line up. Help! My intercessor will say a word on my behalf. We're not going to turn there. It's too much to read. Examples of that in John chapter 17, if you read it carefully, he intercedes for his disciples. And if he intercedes for his disciples, he's also interceding for us. In fact, John chapter 17 is a prayer of intercession. Wow. Luke chapter 22. What does he tell Peter? I have prayed for you that your faith would not fail. How about that? What is that? That's an intercessory prayer. Do you know that's one of the greatest things you can pray for people? Father God, I lift up before you so-and-so, and I pray their faith will not fail. That is as scriptural as you get, man, to pray for somebody. Especially when you don't know what to pray. I don't know what to pray for this person. Pray their faith will not fail. Oh, they're in a terrible straits. Pray their faith will not fail. Amen. I do a lot for people. Um, so, any Christian in persecution for his namesake. And there are people all over the globe right at this moment suffering for the sake of the gospel. Some losing their lives for the sake of the gospel. He intercedes for them by his blood. And he always makes intercession for us also because we miss it too often. And isn't that good to know? Jesus is always praying for you and me. He doesn't need a vacation. He doesn't take one. Isn't that great? Amen. Next, we have Jesus, our advocate. Uh, now, advocate is a legal term. Uh, it means someone who would plead our case like an attorney. Uh, let me read from uh, 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, out of the NIV Bible. My dear children, I write this to you that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense Jesus Christ, the righteous one. What? What is that? That means something he's presently doing, his present day ministry. NIV again, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. As an advocate, he can do that for me. That's good news. Because I need to do this probably every moment of the day. Amen? Every moment of the day, somehow, I just don't get it right. As much as I think I do, I don't. I need an advocate who would take on my behalf. So, we have such an advocate to obtain forgiveness of sin for us, because as you saw with the uh, illustration up there, on the, on the, on the PowerPoint up there, <laughs> uh, sin breaks fellowship with the Father. We need to have that fellowship restored. No advocate, no fellowship restored. We have an advocate fellowship gets restored. Holy Spirit draws us to Jesus, our advocate. 
and he acts on our, as our advocate if we would confess our sin. It's very important if you messed it up in life, don't run from him, run to him. How many people run from him? We need to run to him. He's your only answer. He's your advocate. And he knew you were going to mess up anyway, but he, but he loves you anyway. Wow. There's no reason for a Christian to live in broken fellowship with the Father. We have an advocate on our part. And the last point here, and we've spent a couple sermons on this already last month, Jesus, our shepherd. Another aspect of his high priest ministry, he's a shepherd to us. Now, we have those sermons on file. You can listen to them. I'll just mention a couple of scriptures here in background. Uh, Jesus in John 10, verse 14, says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. John chapter 10, verse 28, I love this. I give them eternal life to them, and they shall never perish. And no one shall snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. Isn't that good to know? You have an assurity uh, that you'll never be lost from your Savior. He knows how to keep me, even when I don't know how to keep myself. He knows how to keep me. In uh, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 22, out of the King James Bible, it says, so much was Jesus, I'm sorry, by so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. Surety means guarantee. That means he's my guarantee and I have a security in him. How do you know all these promises of God's word are going to happen? He's my surety. Well, how do you know you, if you're a believer, you'll really end up with the Lord one day? He's my surety. He's my guarantee. He's my guarantee. And whatever we do on this earth as guarantees, it pales to insignificance to my real guarantee. Jesus, my guarantee. How do you know about all this? It's guaranteed. How is it guaranteed? Jesus is my guarantee. That's it. And we talked about this already in a sermon I did before. In Psalm 23, verse 1, uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I like the paraphrase, the Lord is my shepherd, in him I have everything I need. You're right, there's not one thing you can go, oh, Jesus, you forgot that one thing. No, I have everything I need. Maybe not everything I selfishly want. That's different. I have everything I need. That's very important. Uh, funny, one time many years back in the early 60s, uh, Bob Dylan didn't like signing autographs. So people would bother him for autographs. And this is, there's this video of somebody running out to him, I need your autograph. Said, you don't need it. If you need it, I'll give it to you. But you don't need it. <laughs> so sometimes what we need is very different than what we think we need. Uh, all I need. Oh, that's, yeah, let's look at that. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. Another goodie to hold on to. And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. He's my surety. So fret not. Our shepherd knows how to take care of us, how to provide for us. Uh, he's looking uh, just for us to believe him. Remember, the Old Testament Jew had a do covenant. Do, 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 do. And it wasn't enough to show that he needed a Savior. The New Testament believer has a believe covenant because Jesus did the do for me. There's nothing I can add to it. 
I can't give enough money. I can't do enough good works. I can't pray enough. I can't be superstar Christian. He's done it all. I just live it out. I live what comes natural to me, right? When I get up in the morning, look in the mirror, I never say, I wonder if I'm a man today. Never crosses my mind. The beard's a giveaway. Never crosses my mind. I am. So what do I do? Read the manual, how to act like a man. I think my wife would like me to read that. But how do I act like a man? I don't. I just live out who I am. As a believer, you just live out who you are, and you're pleasing unto the Lord. Holy Spirit will, lead, will guide us every day. So to close this out tonight here, um, as a good shepherd, his priestly ministry meets every need of the believer from salvation to resurrection. And so when I need an advocate before the Father, when I need a divine intercession, when I need a mediator who understands me, when I need a high priest who will work on my behalf, I have the present-day ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ for me. And you have it for you. So I would encourage you to remember those things and when in life you are confronted with certain areas and challenges, go to the Lord Jesus Christ, who is your minister today. Jesus, intercede for me. I need you today. Jesus, take my part up and advocate for me today, etc. You know, he's there for you. And again, we can be so insensitive not to realize it, and yet he still does it. But yet, if we get a glimpse of this, we'll think differently, we'll act differently, and we'll view life very differently. We don't lack for anything in the spirit realm. We have it all. The problem is most of the body of Christ doesn't see it because they don't either believe it, for, or either they don't know it, or they don't believe it, or they don't access it. It is accessed through faith. It is accessed through believing Him, speaking it out of your mouth making it the focus of your day. We waste so much time in the days we live in with the age we live in. It preoccupies all our thoughts, and most of them are silly and worthless, if we're really be honest. And it's getting worse with the multimedia uh, culture we have today. Getting a lot worse. Uh, my gosh. Kids today have to have the most sophisticated electronic toys. Back in the 1950s, give them a box and they played with it and they were happy. What's wrong with this picture? It costs less, too. Uh, yeah. We just have so much noise going through our heads due to the days we live in, we tend to get distracted from what really matters. My Lord is my present-day ministry for me. I need to focus on Him, and I may act very, very different then. I may get in input from heaven that I really need that I'm not listening to. And we can go on and on. Let's just pray here. Father God, we thank you for the present-day ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord God, that Jesus' ministry is active for each and every one of us here and those that would hear beyond the walls of these, this building, that the believer can access their Savior and that he is there for them to promote his will in us, not our will. As we submit our will to him, that we would pick up the will of the Father, that what is being done in heaven would be done on earth through us. We thank you for this, Father God. We thank you for this present-day ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. May we live in an awareness of that Father, 
and in the gratitude for it as well. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.